Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 17. We'll be there in just a minute. We're continuing in our second week of a new series entitled, This is My Church, This is My City. Looking at what God is calling us here at Grace Point to be about and what He's calling us into here in the city of Fort Wayne and beyond. And uh, I need to give you a little bit of warning that uh, today, um, this message I characterize is not like ice cream. Okay? It's not like candy. It's not like dessert. There's appropriate times for that, but this is steak. This is meat. This isn't milk, but this is stuff that we need to chew on and we need to allow to roll around in our brain and mind. And and I feel impressed to challenge you right from the beginning. Don't let your eyes, your spiritual eyes, drift from what it is God wants to say to you today. There's somebody here that needs to be reminded that when we keep our eyes on Jesus and what he's saying to us, he can give us the power to walk wherever he calls us. Remember when Peter walked on the water? Remember when he took one step out of the boat and he began to move? But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? Anybody awake? What happened? He started to sink. He started to go down. And so here's what's going to happen in the next number of minutes. I promise you this. The enemy does not want you to get the truth rooted in God's word today. He doesn't want that. So he's going to give you every opportunity to take your eyes away from what he wants to say to you today, to be distracted and let your heart stay in discouragement or let your heart stay in contentment. And he's going to try to get you to to miss the blessing that God has. But if you fix your eyes on Christ and say, Jesus, I'm sick of hearing Brady. I want to hear you. That's a good thing to say. I want to hear you. What you have to say to me, he will speak. As, as we looked last week, we are looking at the, the vision, the, the clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the passion that this should happen, that God has given to us here at Grace Point. In your notes, look at this with me as I read aloud. This is what we talked about last week. We see hundreds of connection communities of Christ-like disciples united in prayer, intentionally reaching the world for Christ out of the fresh overflow of the Holy Spirit. Now last week we looked at the the last phrase of this statement, the fresh overflow of the Holy Spirit, and, and not just what that means to us, but what God's Word says about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we saw that Jesus calls us to come to Him and to drink of the living water. Not everybody who comes to Jesus will drink. But to to take in the living water. And Jesus clarifies after that passage and he says, I'm talking about my spirit. And so the very Holy Spirit of God is the living water inside of us. And then we see that the water of the spirit satisfies our soul. And it's not just satisfying us so we can be comfortable and satisfied. But remember, it leads us to see that out from you should flow a river, a river of living water. That's where we were last week. Well, this week I want us to zero in on this phrase of this vision statement, united in prayer. I was talking with a friend before first service and they said, you know, Pastor Brady, if the power of the Spirit is flowing through us like a river, there should be some evidence of that. The fullness of the Spirit is evidenced not by one particular spiritual gift, but by the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe we will begin to see through the fruit of the Spirit What we're talking about today, being united in prayer. Take your Bible and let's zero in on what Jesus has to say about this. In John chapter 17, I'll be reading verse 6 through 12 
You read silently as I read aloud. These are some of the final words that Jesus gives to his disciples. In John 15, he's been talking about abiding in him, having our life sustained in him. And Jesus is giving these very important words to his disciples before the end of his ministry here on earth. Verse 6. I revealed you to those whom you have, you gave me out of the world. I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Jesus is speaking here, talking to the Father, and he's talking about the disciples. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. It's talking about the disciples' faith, the belief that they had, and Jesus is praying to the Father, talking about his ministry to the disciples. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. For the disciples, for the believers. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Now, this interests me. Here, Jesus is saying, the disciples, they have brought glory to my name. Do you remember who the disciples were? This ragamuffin, ragtag group of guys that they didn't have it all together they were from the margins of society they had all kinds of problems and yet jesus says these guys have brought glory to my name how because they're so special no because they have begun to live in obedience to what jesus is saying he's saying they have honored me they've brought glory to my name let's continue on verse 11 I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. Now, don't miss the second half of verse 11. Holy Father, Jesus prays, protect them by the power of your name. It's not just the words of the name of the Father. It's not just the pronunciation of his name, but it's the character of God. It's the nature of God. The very name of God will bring protection to them. The name that you gave me. Why? So that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus is praying and he's praying what he feels is important. Look at the two things he prays. He first prays for them to be protected. It's, it's, it's this passion that Jesus has for them to be protected. The NASB says, keep them in your name. In other words, protect them from the evil one. By the very character and nature of God. Father, protect my disciples. Protect the believers. Protect the Christians. And then, what does he do? He goes on and he says, so that they may be one as we are one. Being one like the Father is with the Son. Now jot that down. That's the first thought that's, that's so key to us. I told you it's steak. Some of you are like, oh, I've got to chew on this. It's okay. It, it's, this is good. Hang in there with me. One, Jesus prays for his disciples to be one. To be one. You see, this unity, it's not just any kind of unity. It's not just 
unity that can be measured by a sports team. It's not the unity from being a part of the Denver Broncos or the Indianapolis Colts. It's not the unity that comes from being a part of uh, an Olympic team from a particular country that we're united in our our nationality and our, our desire to represent our nation. This is unity as the Father has with the Son. It is a powerful unity. That's what Jesus is praying for. Jesus says, I want my people, the Christians, the ones who believe in me, I want them to live together. I want them to love together. I want them to mesh together. Father, even as you and I are one. That's what Jesus says. I told you it's steak. I told you it's meat. But this is some powerful stuff. So this river of life flowing out of us, this power from the Holy Spirit, is this so we can do hocus-pocus tricks and get people so interested in us? Is it to manipulate to make ourselves more comfortable? No. This very Spirit of God, this power out of the overflow of the Spirit is to unite us, to be one as Jesus is one with the Father. One with who? With our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now this unity assumes something. Even though we all have individual souls and we are saved, we are yet put in the body of Christ. When you accept Jesus as your Savior and you are adopted into the family of God, he places you in the body of Christ, and you are connected to a brother or sister in the body of Christ. And there is unity there. We are not to live isolated. In essence, we live a collective existence together. And many of us don't understand this fully because we're self-professed loners. We are either self-sufficient or selfish, depending on how you look at it. We are more interested in being autonomous than we are being united to anything else. But notice what Jesus does when he teaches his disciples how to pray. When Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, what are the first two words he tells them? In his model prayer to the disciples, Jesus is teaching on prayer. He says what? First two words. Our Father. There's this assumption that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're following after me, Jesus says, you will see the Father as our Father. This idea that you can't serve Jesus by yourself. God is calling you to be a part, to be united, to be one with his body. The collective nature of Christianity has been downplayed in our generation by the era of individualism. I'm not saying it's wrong to be responsible or to begin to learn to do things on your own or to take responsibility for yourself. But friend, when we begin to worship how autonomous we are, we miss the blessing that Jesus has called us to. The thoughts that go through our mind, I go by my own rhythm. I walk where I want to walk. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. This is not what Jesus wants. This is not what he's calling his disciples to. Jesus prayed for the disciples. He prayed for you. He prayed for me. What did he pray? Father, protect them. Protect them from the evil one and give them unity. Make them one the way you and I, Father, are one. No, no, nobody would choose to do their own thing like that on some kind of sports team. Can you imagine what the coaches would do of the Denver Broncos or the Indianapolis Colts? Today, if there was alignment on one of those teams that says, I'm just kind of tired of doing the same blocking assignment you give me for this play every time. I don't want to do that anymore. You know what? You tell me to block left. I don't want to block left. I'm the first one to get hit. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to fall back this time. That's just what I'm going to do. He wouldn't be on the team for very long. 
Because it's not about doing what you want to do. There's, there's a unity in vision. There's a unity in cause. There is a call that the team in unity together go in the same direction. As silly as that is and, and simple as that is for, for sports or for business and business partners or in your family or whatever it may be, Jesus is talking about a deeper unity. Father, make them one the way you and I are one. This is not unity because we look alike, or we smell alike, or we enjoy the same things, or we have the same background, or we belong to the same organization. This is a unity that comes from the Father. This is a unity that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Brady, I'm choking on the meat. I'm trying. Hang with me. Jesus prays for the disciples to be one. Well, why does he do this? Bruce, would you come up here and, and help me? And, and Tim, come, come on up here. Bruce, Tim, Tim, come up here. These guys don't know what they're doing. They're just coming by faith. Thank you for trusting me, guys. Come on up. Pray for them as fear is going up in their mind. If you're new to Grace Point, we do this all the time. We try to embarrass people as often as we can. No, guys, just come up here and stand here. Bruce, you just own this square right here. You just take this. Tim, you come here and get this. See, th- this illustration I'm going to give you is not going to change your life, but th- the truth behind this, I believe, is, is important for us. Jesus is praying, Father, make them one the way you and I are one. Now, we're on the platform together, but we're not united. And so if someone was going to try to break through the defenses or break through the forces, there's all kinds of gaps and spaces that could, could happen. There, there's not unity in this, there's not a oneness here. But guys, if we link arms, come on over here. Link arms. This is good. We're not holding hands. It's manly. It's okay. Come on. No, no, no. Come in, come in, come in. Link arms. Trust me, it's okay. See, now <laughs> we're, we're a force to be reckoned with. I feel stronger because I've got other strength with me. And if someone would try to penetrate, there, there's, there's a stronger resistance because we're linked together. You know, we did this Red Rover, Red Rover when we were kids. You, you know what I'm talking about. But it's not just the strength that we feel together. It, it's also a protection. Not just for myself, but for my brother. If someone would, would attack my brother Bruce, I'd, I'd say, hey, hey, you're not messing with Bruce, you're messing with all of us. We're, we're, we're united together. Now see, this isn't just a oneness for the sake of being one. There is strength and protection. Jesus says, Father, protect them. Make them one. Why? There is protection when we seek him together. Now, don't miss this. We can pray. Uh, I, I got to get out of here. Okay. Stay right there. Stay right there. We, we, we can pray by ourselves. Still, still, still link arms. That's good. We can pray by ourselves. I can come over here and pray. And the Bible talks about praying by yourself. It's biblical to pray by yourself. There's power when you pray by yourself. Don't misunderstand me. But Scripture talks about the power of prayer together that unifies us with the Father. I can pray by myself, yes. Should I pray by myself, yes. But am I linking arms with my brothers in, in, in prayer? Now, guys, we're going to try to kneel together. Let's see if we can do this. We haven't practiced this. Let's try it. Let's, let's come on and do it. Oh, good. Look at this. Very good. Now, when, when we are linked together, kneeling, we don't look as strong as we did before. I know we looked so muscular before. But, but from this position, we're not really in an offensive position, the world would say. And, and we're kind of in a retreat position, in a surrendering position. But there's nothing more intimidating to the enemy. When brothers and sisters in the Lord, when the body of Christ link arms together where nothing can penetrate, and we humble ourselves before God, and we say, Father, we aren't strong, but you are. This is what Jesus is talking about. Father, protect them right after Make them one the way you and I are one. 
Make them one in the name of God, his character and his nature. That's what the scripture is talking about. Thank you, guys. Let's see if we can get up. Let's get, oh, that hurts still. Goodness. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Give them a hand for being embarrassed. That's very good. See, praying together, something supernatural happens. I got two questions for you this morning. Are you united with the body of Christ? Are you one with the body of Christ? I'm not asking you if you're a member of Grace Point. I'm not asking you how long you've been coming to church. I'm not asking you what your star chart has for church attendance. That's irrelevant. Are you living in the oneness with other brothers and sisters that Jesus talked about? I don't know that I need that. Your creator thinks you do. I don't know if that's the way I'm wired. The one who wired you thinks that you need that. Uh, This is just a bad season. Maybe it's because you need to be connected in the body of Christ. We are, out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit, going to accomplish these things. But it happens when we are united in prayer. Well, I kind of do that by myself. I pray by myself. Really? That's good. Good. When's the last time you you were united the way Jesus talks about with another believer? When was the last time that you prayed with another believer? When's the last time you prayed on purpose? Not rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, or now I lay me down to sleep, I hope I don't die, or something like that. Preschool prayers are good in preschool. But church, God help us, would he grow us up to cry out our heart to the one who is listening to us. There's power when we pray together. Number two, why, why do this? See, the reason I think that believers lack unity is the same reason that they don't pray. Pastor Brady, that's just so pie in the sky. It's not realistic. We don't get along with everybody. I'm not saying you get along, but is there a oneness with you in the body of Christ? Is there a oneness with you in another believer? If not, it's the same reason why we are prayerless. The reason is our carnal flesh. Not carnal flesh. Carnal Carnal is an old school word that we need to reclaim and bring back. It is this Gideon spirit. It's this, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's this selfish, sinful, fleshly nature that rises up within us. And when we accept Christ, we get all of God. But when we surrender our life to him, he gets all of us. And he will crucify our sinful nature. He will give us freedom from the flesh, from the carnality, from the selfishness of our life. It is that selfishness that keeps us isolated. It's that selfishness that keeps us prayerless. Well, where do we get that? Not because I said so, but let's look at Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish? Paul is so sensitive here. I love this. Are you so foolish after... Beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He's saying, you were saved not from your own effort, not from your own strength, not from your own grit and might. You were saved by the Spirit of God. Are you going to try to finish the race by your own strength? He says, no. No, no, that's not how it is. He goes on in Galatians. Look at Galatians five sixteen and 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. Walk by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Listen to the words that Andrew Murray has for us. I believe they're powerful for us this morning. The flesh can say prayers well enough. They can just say prayers calling itself religious for doing so and thus satisfying its conscience. But the flesh has no desire or strength for prayer that 
strives after an intimate knowledge of God, that rejoices in fellowship with Him, and that continues to lay hold of His strength. No. The Christian who is still carnal has neither desire nor strength to follow after God. He rests satisfied with the prayer of habit or the prayer of just a custom ritual, not hungering for the Spirit-filled, unifying prayer. Friend, do you find yourself saying, I know I should pray, but I just don't want to pray? Do you find yourself saying, I I know I should be unified with the body of Christ? I just don't feel like being unified. It's not because you feel it. You know what I love about Grace Point? God has called us to worship in spirit and in truth. Some of us lean one way or the other. That's okay. We need both, spirit and truth. Well, what do you mean? Scripture talks about worshiping and spirit and truth. These are the worshipers that the Father seeks. In spirit, there should be something that moves in us, this river of living water that gushes out of us. Is there any response in your life of a fresh move of your spirit? But yet, if we worship in spirit alone with no truth, we worship a God we don't know. We worship a God that there's not a foundation for. And so, for many of us, it's the truth of the Word of God that our feet are rooted in that gives joy to our praise because we know the foundation of what God's Word says. But some of us, we know a lot, but it never gets to our heart. As one author has put, it's not how high you jump when you worship God that changes things. It's how you run when your feet hit the ground. Some of us are so mentally wrapped up in worship that We don't run or jump or do anything. We're just asleep. You see, if if we're honest, God, I don't really want to worship. I don't really want to pray. I don't really have a desire to, to be in oneness like that with someone else. God never asked you to have the desire on your own. Friend, don't try to muster up a want to or a desire to pray. Confess your need before God. Don't try in your own might to force yourself in the right attitude. Bow before him. Acknowledge the sad state that you are in. Acknowledge that your only hope of a life of prayer is in him. This is freeing for somebody today. Your prayer life, your oneness with the body is not how hard you work. It's not how many hours you put in. It's not how many books you read. It's by humbling yourself, linking arms with another brother and sister, getting on your knees before God and saying, God, we need you. Friend, it's with childlike faith that we wait on God and we glorify him. It is vain for you to think in your spiritual defective life that your endeavor to pray more, your endeavor to pray better will give any strength. You see, when we wait on him, we will be filled with his spirit so we can be one and so that we can be united in prayer. Imagine this. This type of prayer that unites us can bring protection. Protection from the blah of life. Protection from discouragement. Protection from depression. From protection from distraction. Because see, rooted in every spirit-filled prayer, every time you pray with the power of the Holy Spirit helping you, The very trinity of God is involved. Ha ha, that's good. I don't know if you caught that. Every time, every time you pray a spirit-filled prayer, the Father, the one who hears, is involved. The Son, the one in whose name you pray, is involved. The very 
Spirit of God, the one in you who is interceding on behalf of the Father for you, is involved. The Trinity of God is involved every time you pray in the Spirit. Not when you just bow your head and repeat some ritual. Not when you just kind of go through some phrases or words. God's not after some time clock that you punch. He's after us being connected to Him. A oneness. Unifying power. Jesus is praying for us to be one. The reason we lack unity is the same reason we don't pray. It's our carnal, selfish, fleshly ways. What happens if we surrender to God and cry out to Him and we allow His Spirit to help us unite and to pray? Spirit-filled prayer does these three things, and then I'm through. It keeps us united. Not just because it sounds good. Look at what Acts 2.1 says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We've been looking at the beginning of Acts the last couple of weeks. This is not just some kind of exception that happened once. The Bible is not a list of exceptions that happened one time and never happened again. It's a book of examples of what God has done and what he'll continue to do. So here in the early church, they were in one place and in one accord. Not just in the same room, but they had a unity in Christ. Have you ever prayed at somebody? You know, the, the one who aggravates you, God help them, they're just a goober and just blah, all these things. You can list all the things they need to change. Pray at them. Have you ever been prayed at? You're there and you're like, oh my goodness, I guess that was prayer. It felt like a like a punching bag. It was there. I was just taking all the punches. So it's not the prayer God's talking about. They were, they were united when they prayed. Friend, if there's somebody who's giving you problems, if there's someone you're frustrated with, someone you're angry at, someone that you detest, pray for them in the Spirit. And it is impossible for you to continue to pray for them in the Spirit and remain angry at them. It won't always solve all your problems. It won't always change their action. But when you pray for them in the Spirit, you begin to want their best well-being. And so when they succeed, you celebrate. When they suffer, you, you mourn with them. It changes you. God wants us to be united and in one accord when we pray. When we pray, our Father, He does something in us. It not only unites us, but it keeps us focused. Look at chapter 2, 6 through 8 and verse 11. When they heard a loud noise, everyone came running. The crowd there witnessing what happened when the believers had the power of the Spirit fall on them. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from all, they're all from Galilee, all from the same place. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. When the power of the Spirit fell on those believers, they were not only united, but their message was unified, it was focused, and they gave the same message of the goodness of God. It wasn't their own idea, it wasn't their own agenda, it wasn't their opinion, it was unified, focused on what God had put in their heart. And I want you to evaluate the conversations you had this week. What would it be like if every time you opened your mouth, Every conversation you had pointed somebody to Jesus. What would it look like? Well, I 
got to go to work, and sometimes i got to talk about something other than, like, church or something. Yeah, yeah. What if every time you opened your mouth, even in work discussions, you somehow pointed to Jesus? You pointed to his truth. You pointed to his provision in your life. You pointed to that. What would happen? Could there be a unifying focus on the conversation that comes from our mouth? What would happen if we would meet together and it would not be discussion about what we want or we like or what we didn't like or what we whatever, but it was about what Jesus is doing? Finally, spirit-filled prayer keeps us empowered. Acts 2, 16 and 17. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, the scripture says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Friends, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started then. It's still going on today. There will be a mighty revival move of God when his kids are not only living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit, but, but allowing the Holy Spirit to do in us what he wants to do, we will see Jesus' prayer answered when we are made one with one another. When we are unified in the very Spirit of Christ together, it will give us a focus together. It will empower us with the move of the Spirit. I appreciate your attention today. Some of your teeth look tired because you've been chewing on meat. I can tell. It's okay. But I believe today's message is not the end, it's the beginning of a journey that God wants to take you on over the next couple of days. So I challenge you, sometime today or sometime this week, take Acts chapter 2, take John 17, and begin to wade through it on your own. And say, Father, what do you have for me in this? Because I see for you and for me hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of Christ-like disciples of communities meeting together, that are united in prayer, intentionally reaching their world for Christ out of a fresh overflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. That's not just for Grace Point. I believe that's for you. I believe that's for me. And it's going to cause us not just to surrender, as we talked about last week, but being willing to be made one, united, in our desperate dependence on God together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends that have been so attentive, that have given of their mind to take in your word. Lord, today I ask again that anything that I have shared that is not beneficial to the message, God, I pray that you'll cause it to slide quickly from their memory and fall away and not be a distraction. But Father, of the things from your word that are spoken today that have power that you want them to have, Lord. I pray that it will take root in their heart. Let it germinate. Let the seed penetrate the soil of their heart. Let it grow up and take root. Father, I pray the the fruit of your Spirit will begin to grow inside of them. God, free us from this individualistic idea that we can have your power of your Spirit for our own sake. But God... Would you show us what it looks like for a river of life that would come from within us, that would impact everybody around us? And God, would it unite us in this room? Would it unite us with other brothers and sisters who aren't in this room? As we cry out to you in prayer, our daddy, we want what you want over what we want. Thank you, Father, 
for what you're building in us, what you're shaping in our community, and what you're calling us to. We pray these things in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.